so um, welcome to Philosophers and Mad Men. We got Jay Jack on and uh, Dave Putman, trusty sidekick. <gasps> Hi. <laughs> Jay Jack is from Maine and he runs the Academy, which is a mixed martial arts school, correct? Not just jujitsu? Yeah, we focus primarily on Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but, uh, but yeah, it's mixed martial arts. I mean, I got my name, I made my name in fighting uh, more than competitive sport jiu-jitsu. So, like, we're definitely uh, uh, thought of as an MMA school, but for me, the focus is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No question. You know? Awesome. Dave I mean, Brazilian jiu-jitsu as applied to a fist fight. Oh, sure. Right? For sure. Because to me, that's, that's what it is. To me, jiu-jitsu is, is fighting, right? Like, like... The fact that I have to qualify that or preface that fucking makes me insane. (laughs) I have to go like, oh, jujitsu, but not the bullshit kind. Like I have to actually say, oh, for fights, you know, it's it's nonsense because, you know, it wasn't supposed to be like that back in the day. Like if you did jujitsu, you also fought like that was it. Like, you know, so there wasn't Uh, sport jujitsu per se, really? Well, there was, but like. It, there was sport jiu-jitsu everybody there was a lot of competitive jiu-jitsu but it's like there were also people looking to so here's the thing right like what happens is sooner or later and this is a, this is an interesting trap that happens in all human endeavors right like things get stuck in a sport trap martial arts especially but it, it, there's parallels to dog training because we're all into both right but yeah. like martial arts Specifically, they get stuck in one of two traps. They get stuck in an art trap or they get stuck in a sport trap, right? Because what happens in the beginning is people go, man, I want to know how to fight. I want to learn how to protect myself in a bad situation. And so they come up with these theories and they they figure them out and they're like, they have their different things. So like karate guys were thinking punches and kicks and jiu-jitsu guys were thinking grab and hold and everybody's got their different trips and their different theories. But people try to apply those concepts to fighting so they're training to be able to fight so in the gym you're preparing for a fight in order to come up in order to get really effective you have to practice in a way that is challenging so one of the most effective ways that you can train is to come up with a game Right, because then it gives you measurable parameters. Okay, well, I'm getting better because I'm winning this, that, and the other, and like I know I'm improving because I'm scoring more points or whatever, right? But it gives you these, it gives you these measurements. It gives you these 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 things that you can quantify and go, okay, I am or am not getting better. Milestones to fight. Right, and then you come up with these ways to train to get better at the martial art, to get better at fighting. But then what happens is people get obsessed about those games, and they start training to win those games, and then it changes the nature of your fighting. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So, like, well, a, a good a good example, a good example is judo. What happened to judo? Right. So judo was a martial art. They decided in the beginning, judo was not a sport. It was not a game. It included striking techniques. The, the last technique in, in one of the seven formal judo katas is a leg lock. Like, leg locks were part of judo, right? But then what happened is they start getting into uh, Jigoro Kano, the guy that founded judo, said, okay, there's these different avenues for practice. So there's randori, there's live training, there's, you know, uh, kata, these prearranged technical practice, and then there's shiai, there's, there's competitive competition, right? So then the idea is... 
you practice competition to try to improve your judo. But then everybody started training to win competitions. So in competitions, the leg locks got outlawed because they're dangerous. The same trend happens in jiu-jitsu now. But because because the leg locks get outlawed, people stop practicing leg locks. So now judo players don't know how to do leg locks. Gotcha. So if you talk to somebody and you go, man, judo, you know, judo's, ter- you know, uh, uh, throw leg locks at them. They don't know, they don't know leg locks. You're like, that makes no sense to me because, again, the, the, the literal, the last move in Gitami no Kata is, is a leg lock. But they don't do that anymore. Nobody even, nobody even fucking knows that exists in the kata. There's judo guys, black belt judo guys that go, there's no leg locks in judo and I want to slap them. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, sure. you don't even know your fucking history, man. You know? Um, but it's interesting because then it changes the way that those people train and then that changes the outcome, right? So now there's a bunch of judo people that can't necessarily fight with their judo because they trained competitively. Same thing happens. Same thing happens in, in dog training. Me and Chad talk about this all the time. Same thing happens in dog training. At some point, people were training their dogs to make them better to live with. Mm-hmm. Right? If your dog was trained, much better to live with, right? So they start doing obedience. But then you're like, okay, well, I need markers. I need milestones. I'm just training my dog. How do you know when you're finished? How do you know when you accomplished your goal? What is your fucking goal? You know what I mean? Sure. So then they're like, okay. Well, the goal will be a trained dog. Well, what the fuck is that? Okay, well, that means they can sit, they can stay, they can, you know what I mean? Like, so they come up with this list of shit they think is a trained dog, which is great. It's awesome. And then people train and they're like, okay, let's do, now let's have basically a test day. So it's like pass fail, right? Like, 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 let's, let's all get together. You did your course. We've done our training. Let's, Let's check and see what our fucking deal is, right? So then they get together. Show me your sit. Show me your down. Show me your whatever the fuck. So all these pass. And they're like, this is awesome. We have trained dogs. But then guaranteed what happened is one motherfucker next to him was like this. My dog looks a little sharper than yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sooner or later, they're like, okay, well, we all pass, but who did better? Because I want to – and improving your standards is good, right? Having better is great, right? But then the problem is people start training to beat the skill. And now, however many years later, you have all these dogs. They can do fucking backflips and fucking dance routines and spin around and fucking whatever. There's all these people that can put their dogs front end on a bucket and they do fucking spins. Hind end awareness and they can't fucking take them out of a box in public. Sure. You know, but they can win trophies out the ass, but it's like, it's changed, but it changed because they fell into the sport trap. You know what I mean? Like they got caught up. You, you use the sport, you use competitive stuff to have markers and improve your training, but your training should be for the ultimate goal. Your training should have a point by it and all the competitive stuff should be a way to drive you into that. But what happens is you get obsessed about the training, about the sport, and then you change what your goal is. Your goal becomes sport, and then you stop thinking about the other goals, and it changes the nature of the art. Happens to jiu-jitsu. It happens now. But back in the day, man, jiu-jitsu guys would do a jiu-jitsu competition, and if you looked at any of them, anybody in the 93, whatever, you know, I went... I want to say I went like 97. 97 when, when, uh, when uh, Pan Ams first came to America, when they first happened on American soil. I want to say like 98, 97. I don't, I don't remember. A long time ago. But like that first time, there was no jiu-jitsu competitor in the room that you couldn't walk up to and go, you want to fight, fight? Like fist fight? 
everyone did. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, not <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? And then right before they grapple, go, hey, uh, you guys want to go with punches? Everybody would have been like, yeah, I'm good. Like, nobody would have been like, oh, oh, no way. Oh, I don't do that. I don't start standing. Like, nobody would do that. Yeah. Guys that fought with jiu-jitsu and they were there to compete to see what their jiu-jitsu was like under competitive settings. Problem is, 10 years later, whatever, 50, whatever, fuck, however long it's been, 15 years later, you know, it's like there are guys now, purple belts, brown belts, there's guys now that can flip all upside down, but if you slap them in the mouth, they won't know what to do. Sure. Now, could you uh, explain for those who don't know realistically what the difference between jiu-jitsu and judo are? Uh, there's not. No? How about that? <laughs> hey, hey, blow your mind, piss everybody off. Yeah. All right. It's judo. The difference between jiu-jitsu and judo is the competitive setting of rules. That's it. Gotcha. That's it. That's all there is. We got Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We got from judo. It's judo. You might as well call it Brazilian judo. Sure. Right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Count Coma, right? Like uh, 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 Maeda, I think I can't remember his name. So anyway, Count Coma, the guy that the guy that gave the Gracies jujitsu. Mitsuyo Maeda, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. He's a Kodokan judo black belt. He's a judo teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period. He's a judo teacher. This is what happens, right? So you can see the same fork in the road happen all over martial arts it's interesting to watch it occur right so uh in japan at the time uh when jigoro kano the guy that founded judo was coming up there's all these different styles of jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu was the idea of martial arts and everybody had a different theory right so there would be different styles of jiu-jitsu there kitoru jiu-jitsu and tension shinyoru jiu-jitsu and there's all these different styles of jiu-jitsu and one guy was like oh man our jiu-jitsu is fucking poking a guy in the head with a chopstick and our jiu-jitsu is kicking a balls and our jiu-jitsu is whatever right so there was all these different really myopic ideas of what jiu-jitsu should be like and Jigoro Kano was like man you know there's got to be a way to come up with a codified idea that's not just like all these different split up ideas and he trained with all the different judo guys around at his time and he came upon these two styles that he thought were perfect for one another and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this because I, I remember one style is kitaru and one, one style is tenshin shinaru so it's like I can't remember which one was which but basically one all shit aside basically one was the idea of throwing the person with enough damage and force that you don't have to continue fighting it was throws right the other style was control the ground and strike on the ground. So strike submissions and ground control, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially what we think of as judo and jiu-jitsu now. He saw both of those styles and said, man, if you put those together, you'd have the ultimate martial art because you have your stand-up stuff and you have your ground stuff. This is perfect. The next thing that he saw as a problem was that everybody was falling for the art trap. Everybody was doing these stylized, patterned movements. Nobody was brawling. Nobody was going live. And he was like, this is messed up. We have to train live in order to determine what the best thing is going to be and what's going to actually work. That's the science experiment is live training. So he introduced Shi'ai, which is competitive training or randori which is like rolling for us right so he introduced these live training aspects and then immediately competitive comes after that and he's like that's awesome competition helps sharpen it right which is great but then the problem is 
Jigoro Kano had striking, leg locks, chokes, wrist locks, knife defense. You know what I mean? Like it was a complete martial art with stylistic qualities and competitive qualities and all this great stuff. But he wanted it to become an Olympic sport, right? So they started really pushing the sportive aspect of it. And nobody really paid attention to the kata anymore. Nobody really paid attention to uh, freestyle rolling, like uh, no rules rolling. Like, yeah, fuck it. Throw leg locks, throw neck locks. Who gives a shit? Like they started doing the sport. So in the sport, if you can do arm locks and chokes, but you can't do leg locks, People stop training leg locks. Now the defense for leg locks is bad, whatever. So this guy, Mitsumieta, goes to Brazil and shows these guys judo. But he had a little piss in him still. He was still doing challenge matches, which at the time wasn't like, as far as I'm aware, wasn't like uh, authorized by the Kodokan. They were trying to get away from the brawler mentality and get into the sport, right? But there were people... Still challenged. So this guy goes to Brazil. There's a huge Japanese immigrant population in Brazil. This guy goes to Brazil, and these guys start wanting to train with him. So he teaches them judo, and they're like, "This is awesome. We can totally see how you'd fight with this." But at the time, judo was well enough known that people thought judo was a game. Gotcha. And these these guys in Brazil are like, "Dude, we're not playing a game. Like, <laughs> we're fighting <laughs> with a gi, without a gi, with punches, without punches." We don't give a fuck. We're fist fighting. So what was it called before it was a game? It was called jujitsu before it was the game of judo. Gotcha. Right? So they go, uh-huh. we're going to call it jujitsu. It's Gracie jujitsu. We don't want to call it Gracie judo because judo's a game. And we're not playing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they call it jujitsu. Realistically, the only difference, if you took a guy that understood judo and you took a guy that understood today's modern sport jiu-jitsu and you said here's the deal in three years we're going to lock you in a box and you're going to have to fight your way out you're going to die or win the fight get ready for it they would come out the other end looking exactly the same because reality dictates what is going to happen and how it's going to occur sure do you know what i mean absolutely and so it's like there's a million dudes with a million different theories but if you look at mma people look more similar than they look different because the nature of the demands like form follows function right absolutely the problem is the form following the function idea if the function of modern jiu-jitsu is the sport of jiu-jitsu and the function of modern judo is the sport of judo and those two things have drastically different rule sets judo is going to look drastically different than jiu-jitsu sure so like you know the, much to, like shitsen will look dramatically different than a ring sport it's both dog training but the rule yes. sets have dictated that you can only bite an arm sleeve in IPO. You can only bite an arm sleeve in Schutzen. In ring sport, you can bite them wherever it is that you find an available bite. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's the, that's the thing. But if you, again, and, and this is where people get all different. If you look at bite sports and stuff, uh, people will talk about play-based training versus training in defense and things like that. So they'll argue that even though a Mondio guy looks like his dog is just as badass like protection dog a lot of the guys that do i'm air quoting here street protection type stuff they're gonna go ah it's play-based man that guy's not dog's not training that dog's biting the toy that the guy's wearing he's not Mm -hmm. you know when's the last time you trained in a hidden sleeve and it the same nonsense is across (laughs) across the board because humans are pieces of shit you see (laughs) the same mistake if you're talking about dog training jiu-jitsu boxing it doesn't matter the same mistakes will occur 
because people are turds. That's just the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's 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 the same thing. To the to the layperson, judo looks like the art of standing throws, and jujitsu looks like the art of rolling around on the ground. Right. Yeah. Like that's just what it looks like. But if you were to try to stab either one of those guys, do you know what I mean? No jujitsu man worth his salt is going to fucking pull spider guard if you're trying to stab him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no judo guy is going to throw you and jump up and look at the ref and see what the points were. <laughs> they're still coming. You know what I mean? Like, they're all going to look the same. There's principles that guide fighting and left to the fight you come up with what you come up with. That's the one thing that's cool about MMA. MMA, it's happening too, though. The sport of MMA is changing the nature of MMA. Mm-hmm. Like the rules and the time limits and all the stuff that's happening, it changes It changes the way that you train. If you train to get better at MMA, you're getting further away from the truth in actual fighting. Now, it's still close. It's way closer than a fucking Tai Chi competition, for sure. Sure. But it's, it's still... You know what I mean? Like you can turn a boat one degree, give it long enough, it's going to be way in the wrong spot. You For know sure. What I mean? So it's like they're definitely turning. They yeah. have Tai Chi competitions. Well, dude, people suck. like in the, like <laughs> there's people standing in the fucking park just like <laughs> with sweatpants and t-shirts on. There's, there's push hands competition. Oh, but I can push air way better than you can. I swear to you. I swear to you. There's competitions. There's competitive Aikido. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm telling you, man. Steven Seagal's the master, obviously. Tomiki to style Aikido, something like that, is like the South. But they have competitions. I mean, like, there's a subreddit like, called The Ocho, which is a bunch of like off brand types of sports. I saw people playing bicycle ball the other day, nice. which is a, essentially they're riding bikes playing soccer but you can't use your feet you have to hit the ball with your wheels only oh yeah i can certainly imagine there's a tai chi competition out there come on after i saw that i can't i can't imagine that like like is there legal like there's legal gi right there's legal gis in a jujitsu tournament and in your tai chi tournament is there like a legal flow to your top or like (laughs) elastic sweatpants i've never competed in it i've never competed in it uh, but I've read about it like I read a ton, right? And and I, I trained uh, I trained with a very famous uh, instructor. He taught Tai Chi and also a, a Shaolin Chin Na, which is a style of joint lock uh, stuff, right? So I trained with him. I was interested in Chin Na, not Tai Chi. <laughs> I'm like, let me <laughs> yeah. break people's fingers, right? I don't really give a shit about the whole health when I'm older. I just want to break people's shit. So... <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, but you know we talk about it. and It's like there's a there's a thing in Tai Chi uh, called push hands, and it's like you'll stand in front of each other and we put our arms back to back like this, and you'll try to. It's like it's like a stylized version of Indian wrestling. Have you ever done that when you were a kid? No, uh, like the leg thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's leg wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could show it to you. It's like, yeah, whatever. So it's like you you stand in front of each other and you put the backs of your arms together and you'll do what they call push hands. So you'll push and the person has to kind of absorb your push. Or get, if you're stiff and rigid, you get pushed over. You have to take a step. So the goal is to like absorb that push and then you push back in and you have this back and forth thing and it's super ritualized and super stylized. But again, that was them trying to teach the idea of yielding to people's pressure and and having decent balance 
good judo people do this. Good wrestlers do this. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But that was their over-stylized way. Uh, it's kind of funny because Tai Chi made the art trap. You know what I mean? Sure. You can make this mistake. Everybody make, Everybody has to make their own mistakes, and then their, their students, their lineage, just propagate that mistake until it's fucking ridiculous, right? So somebody somewhere was doing martial arts and said, man, man, slow down. You're fucking too stiff. You're going too fast. Like, slow it the fuck down. Like, relax. Yeah, relax. And then you, 20 generations later, you're like, <laughs> I'm so fucking relaxed. <laughs> Look, I move slow-mo. And you're like, you're, you're kind of blowing it. Sure. But if you put focus on a competition to get better, you can get lost in the competition. If you put a focus on man, you really need your stances to be deeper to work your legs. Now your guys are going to get obsessed with deep stances and it's going to turn into this whole who can hold the lowest stance for the longest. And you're like, the fuck does that have to do with fighting? But it's somebody somewhere made an honest mistake and then their fucking people just propagated it. It's interesting because it's like for me running a school, now it's been like, fuck man, I've been teaching. So I, you know, when I was, I started martial arts when I was like five. So like I would start, when I was like 12, I'd be teaching the 10 year olds. you like, I'm the kid running the warm ups and yeah. show us this front kick, Mr. Jack. And you're like, yeah, or whatever. Right? So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I've been teaching for a long, long time, coaching for decades, right? So it's like, it's interesting because now that I've had my own students for whatever it is, 15 years, I get to see generations and like see it from a longer perspective, right? So, like, to me, it's like gardening. Like Tony Robbins said a really cool thing one time. He was like, listen, people make this mistake. Like they have their garden and they're like, you have to go out and act. Some shit's growing out there. (laughs) You can ignore it for a year. It doesn't not grow. It just doesn't grow what you want, but it's it's growing some shit. There's going to be weeds and fucking trees and it's shit's growing. Like the only thing that you can do is go choose. So you have to weed the stuff out and prune it and make it grow what you want it to grow or else it'll just grow whatever the fuck it feels like and you're not in control of it. And the same thing happens in your school with your students. You can say something. You can say something in class, mean perfectly well, and if they take it one degree the wrong way and then they run with it and then a year later, if you're not watching, if, you, if you're watching your students all the time, you'll see, you'll be like, wait a minute, what is going on right now? Like, I'm looking at my garden, man, all these things are starting to grow. What the fuck is that? Like, you have to figure it out. But if you're not paying attention, you won't notice. So then you really get to watch it. It's an interesting thing. It's like uh, right now, I teach the same amount of takedowns in my white belt curriculum that I taught 12 years ago. But 12 years ago, if you'd entered, if you'd interviewed one of my students, they would say we don't do very many takedowns. And now they would say we're very takedown oriented. And it's because of the way that I teach it. I used to teach these classes in start to finish style. It's this. There we go. <laughs> like, guy grabs you in a headlock, you're going to do this takedown. Guy grabs you in a bear hug, you're going to do this takedown, right? Now, the fact is, all of those takedowns have this moment where we can take a photograph and they all pass through this position we now refer to as side clinch. But that's a common position, even though it's only a flashpoint. It's like, as I move from one to the other, I'm in this position. And then as I move from here to here, I'm in this position. But that position reoccurs throughout all of those takedowns. But I was teaching them as these intrinsically different things. 
So people are like, we have about, you know, whatever X amount of takedowns. We have so many takedowns. But then if you'd ask them, you'd, they'd be in a position you'd go single leg, single leg. They'd be like, well, he didn't do this. You single leg from the bear hug. And I'm like, no, no, you, you can single leg from the bear hug. You don't have to single leg from the yeah. bear hug. And they would be like, oh. But to them, it was this very limited scope thing. So I changed the way that I transmit the idea. Sure. Everything is get to side clinch and from side clinch, here all the, it's like a rotary, like, you know, a, a roundabout, right? Like, here's the thing. And there's all these roads that you can go to off of it. The actual number of takedowns I teach hasn't changed. But to them, their options are like, whoa, there's so many options. I taught sure. the same amount of shit. But I worded it a different way, and they didn't see the lesson. Well, I think and that's had I not in, corrected it. I would have a bunch of dudes that sit on their butt and start butt scooting because they sure. don't believe in their stand up. Yeah. Well, I think that's important too because, for me personally, that's one of the big things that has really drawn me in about jujitsu is how incredibly similar it is to any of the other things that I really enjoy in my life. Dog training being, you know, the most obvious. But there, there's a level of mastery to a certain extent in many of the things that I really enjoy, whether it's dog training, uh, jujitsu, fly fishing, it doesn't really matter what it is. Jujitsu is probably the only one that has a certain kind of a medallion per se, uh, or some sort of like, like benchmark. Yeah. yeah. Right. That says here, now you are the master. Everything else is just, you know, you're constantly improving, you're constantly learning, you're constantly trying to reshape what you thought was the way to do it. And I think what you're talking about with how you convey that information is super important because when it comes to dog training, I find myself in the same position all the time with clients. No, it's not that you have to do this specific technique. It's one of 15 different ways you can essentially address this particular behavior it's not the only way to address that particular behavior. And that's one of the things that really made me interested. And I, I was kind of blown away with how many different dog trainers are into jujitsu. It's kind of wild. It's weird. So weird, man. Like uh, tomorrow I get on a plane in the morning. I'm going to go hang out at Ivan Balabanov's place for like five days. Uh, like, like from the 21st to the 25th or whatever. That's awesome. Uh, that's super cool. Yeah, really rad. Do you have a track suit? Oh, really rad. What's that? Do you have a tracksuit to wear? <laughs> no. I don't have a party sale. And I don't own any fluorescent colors. But uh, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to learn my ass off. But, like, dude, that opportunity only came about because he does jiu-jitsu. Oh, killer. Purple really? belt under, like, I think I want to say, like, Paulo Filo or somebody like that. Mm. But, like, yeah, it's legit purple belt. And, like, did Sambo for a long time way back in the day as his youth, back in the Eastern Block. Where that makes sense. Runs, you know? <laughs> Well, that's pretty rad. That's yeah. cool. It's funny. People get so I pissed off so many people in the dog world because of that. You know what I mean? Like some, some, some <laughs> jokingly. You ever, you ever somebody get mad and they try to laugh it off like they're not mad, but you can tell oh, yeah. they're mad. I get a lot of people that like, <laughs> isn't that awesome for you? And you just grit in their fucking teeth. Sure. <laughs> like really. I mean, the problem is. Jiu-jitsu has given me so many things, man. I mean, it's given me everything in my life, like legitimately everything in my life. Like I, my my wife 
our early relationship was formed because we trained together. You know what I mean? Like she sure. fought for a long time. She fought professionally for a long time. But it's like our early relationship was based around the jiu-jitsu school. That's how we spent our time, you know? And it's like all the people I meet and all the students I have and all that shit, you know? But it's funny because in dogs, it's like I, I realize that I do not – I realize I didn't earn a lot of the stuff that I have in dogs. Right, the name that I have, the amount of connections I have, I didn't earn that shit. And I know that, right? There's a there's an argument about whether or not I deserve it, <laughs> but I know I didn't earn it. You know what I mean? Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a dude that scratches off a lottery ticket and wins the fucking lottery. He may or may not deserve that money, but he fucking didn't earn it. <laughs> like he scratched a fucking lottery ticket, dude. You didn't earn it. You know what I mean? Like he may be a great guy and totally deserve it. He may be an asshole and not deserve it, but you, nobody can say, oh, I totally earned it. No, he didn't. He fucking scratched the ticket. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Like, like, uh, dude. I don't have any business. I mean, I've been training for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, 2016, maybe four or five years. Dude, how many guys have been training dogs four or five years ago hang out with Ivan for five days? What the fuck is that? Sure. I don't deserve You know what I mean? Like, I didn't earn that shit. He's not hanging out with me because of my multiple IPO titles. <laughs> yeah, but I think like, that's kind of like a, a flawed conversation from the beginning as far as I'm concerned because – you know, if you're going to quantify what everybody has earned in their life and they only get what they earn, there's going to be a lot of people who don't have shit. And I don't necessarily think that's entirely fair to them. But I also think that, you know, making some of those social connections are are really important because they're going to be able to give you avenues to explore and expand and hone your craft in a way that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And who cares? You know, if, if somebody says, oh, you didn't earn that. Well, I mean, those are called haters. It's important for me not to be an arrogant dude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, like, for sure. It's, it's, it's uh, like, for example, when I met Chad, I wasn't even training professionally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I like was helping my students because I have always had a martial arts school and I've always had dogs in my school. So I've always I've been the guy helping dudes with their dogs. You know what I mean? But like I wasn't taking money for it or whatever. But it's like, uh, you know, when I met Chad, it's like, there's so many people that have been training very little or just brand new that would like, they'd pay money to have dinner with the dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, man, I got a martial arts shirt on and we, hey, you train? Yeah, I train. And then that turns into calling each other and talking on the phone and shit, you know? If it was purely based on my time in the dogs or my, my, my whatever. Cause the first, the first three weeks, he didn't know I was any good with dogs until after we'd been friends for a little while. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it took him a while. Hey, look at that. You don't suck with dogs too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, but he, that's not why he was talking to me. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just don't ever want to be that dude. That's like, man, I want to acknowledge all the things that I've gotten and not act like it ought to be like that. Totally. I totally deserve to be friends with two of the most fucking well-known dudes in the dog world. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't do anything for that, you know? I mean, Chad's argument is that I did. Chad's argument is, you know, the 35 years that you put in getting punched in the face? That's why they're talking to you. Like, you paid for it, you know? I'm like, yeah, but I just, I, I think it's important to me to not be like, I just don't want to be one of those guys that acts like I deserve you know what I mean? That acts like fucking the world is mine and 
you know, there's so many people out there that put so much time in that are cranking away trying to get their name out. And I walk in and fucking high five a couple of dudes and get a fucking podcast. You know what I mean? I, no, I know. I know exactly I mean, what you're cool. saying. It's awesome. Good for me. High five, Jay. Right? But I'll have, like here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. like, I don't want to be like. I realize the amount of luck and grace that has happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I admit that and I acknowledge it. You know. So, do you want to know how I got to work with Tyler Mito and Josh Moran? I, I would love to. I, it's got something to do with your beard. It had nothing to do with my beard, actually. <laughs> so check this shit out. I was at a picnic with my girlfriend, and my and uh, Tyler posted an ad on Facebook saying Canine Connection needed a dog trainer, a dog training yeah. assistant, sorry. So basically I was hired to clean poop. And yeah, right. uh, I was like, hey, Katie, uh, I'm going to quit my job and go train dogs <laughs> at Canine Connection. And the look I got was just pure, like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, no, seriously, I'm going to do it. It's fine. So it was Memorial Day. So it was a holiday. So I drive to Canine Connection at noon with a resume 10 minutes after the ad's up on Facebook. And I was like, here you go. Here, Tyler. Here, hire me. And he was like, all right, yeah, we'll look over application. I was like, no, no, no. Here, just hire me. Right? I'm going to bug the shit out of you until you hire me. So then my days consist of going to work with Tyler and Josh, who, you know, for people in the dog world they know who they are and you know what's it like to stand in front of a camera while tyler muto is on the other end and josh moran's making fun of you sitting in the corner right yeah or you're doing a private lesson and josh moran sitting over there making weird faces pretending he's writing notes about how much you suck (laughs) but really he's text messaging you shitty things because he's funny right you just kind of i don't know i just kind of deal with it you just you yeah. realize what happened and you fell into it and you say, fuck it. That's, that's how it is. But yeah. that's also for me kind of like saying, well, you know, you don't, you didn't earn I the didn't earn right shit. to, you know, know a black belt in jujitsu. <clears throat> You've only been doing jujitsu for three months, man. Like you don't get Bro, to roll with him. You don't get to do it. That's funny. I, you know, what's funny is, I, I don't know, man. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because I hadn't, because to me it's just me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just some dude. Like, I'm not some fucking black belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just Jay, you know? But it's funny because Chad does that all the time. Because he's like, you know, dude, do you realize I get to hang out with, like, a, I get to just, I got a black belt that I can just call and talk jujitsu shit with. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it's yeah. just me. <laughs> it's just me, bro. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, I look at him like that with dogs. But it's I don't see that he sees that the other way. You sure. Know what I mean? Well, I think that's I probably how it's. That's that's how it should be, right? You know. <laughs> Ideally. Right. Yes. Like if you talk to Ivan Balabanov, and you aren't getting the impression from him that he's just a guy who happens to train dogs, you probably wouldn't be that interested in spending five days with him anyway. Yeah, right. Right? You're like, you're not for me, bro. <laughs> so, <clears throat> get a yeah, tracksuit. It's, it's pretty cool. For real. Get a tracksuit. Yeah, I can't, bro. No, I don't know if you've ever seen me. All right, so, I'm gonna be, all right, so I love tracksuits. Real deal. Um, so, I'm doing I'm doing a Learberg. You watch Seinfeld? Uh, not so much, but. Dude, now that you're a tracksuit admitted person, <laughs> you got to go watch. Because there's this thing with George Costanza. And he's like, if I could get away with it, 
I would <laughs> ensconce myself in velvet. <laughs> velvet tracksuit. And so, then one day he gets some girl. I have a velvet tracksuit. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, all right. I'm doing, a Learbur- I'm doing the Learbird course on healing. And I was yep. joking with Forrest Mickey about it. I was like, dude, I'm going to have my dogs healing like Ivan Balabanov soon. He's like, well, you don't have tracksuits. So the next homework video, bright red tr- Adidas tracksuit, full thing. And I was like, what's up, dude? What's <laughs> up? So, Team USSR. We were pretty stoked after conference, though, and we had our uh, impromptu roll on the... Uh, oh, Christ, that was fun. No padding carpet, but... <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But we were stoked, you know? We came back, and we were like, dude, like that was the first black belt we ever rolled with. It was rad. It was really? awesome. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny. Yeah. It's, our, uh, I just don't... It's funny, man. I just don't... I, I don't know. I, I just... <laughs> I just don't I've never in my life no matter what I've done I've done some pretty cool shit you know what I mean like if I sit down and really look at it on paper I'm like oh damn dude I've done some stuff but uh I don't know man it just seems like it's me so it's like it's just you know like to me that's just like a bunch of dudes hanging out bullshit and rolling yeah yeah but like to other people you're like I got to train with a black belt I'm like we're just rolling on a carpet bro <laughs> You don't understand. Dude, you don't understand that that I tried to put a single. I tried to single leg you, and you didn't move. I, for for a solid three weeks after that, I refused to touch a leg. I was like, I'm not going to single leg anybody because you didn't fucking move. Unless I'm going to try. It. It's extinction, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's well, you know? It's funny because have you ever gotten to this with dog trainers where they argue about whether or not you should tell quadrants to your clients? Sure. Yeah. Right? Like, that's an argument that people get into. They're like, you know, quadrants are good for dog trainers to know, but you would never tell Joe Average client about it. And I think that is so fucking crazy because I tell my fucking jujitsu students about it. Sure. Like, my jujitsu students understand learning theory because we talk about it. I'm like, look. Do you know what I mean? When you set somebody up for something in jujitsu, you're using this idea. And if you don't, if you're just haphazard kind of doing it, you can't do it purposefully or skillfully. Right? Mm-hmm. So, we, man, I'm talking about like you have to make sure that you take pressure off. They understand. They don't know about it with mm-hmm. a leash, but it's like, look, if you want them to go that way, if you want them to go to the right. You have to apply pressure, and when they start to make the choice, you have to pull the pressure off because if you don't pull the pressure off fast enough, they'll go, this isn't working, and they'll stop, and they might try to investigate a different direction that you're not planning on and you don't have a setup for. Mm-hmm. So like, if you want them to go left, if they even consider going left, you have to take pressure off, and then when they go, ooh, maybe that's something, they go, you have to put pressure on, and they're like, okay, i got to go left. But they feel like they're learning it themselves. Sure. But we're talking positive punishment negative reinforcement you know what i mean and we have those discussions when i'm teaching class i'll have that discussion all the time and people get like oh that's fucking they get psyched they're like that's fucking deep shit dude i'm learning about murder yeah. you know? I'm excited like they think they're learning some navy seal interrogation shit they're like this is the shit but uh well my opinion is I just think that more people in general should be thinking about it and more people in general should understand those concepts we use them because we're dog trainers, most specifically on dogs, but these are concepts of which should and do apply to most people's everyday lives, whether or not they understand it. Dude, it's learning theory. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's so, not 
dog theory. <laughs> you know, I may not get into a ridiculously long-winded discussion about the value of each specific quadrant with somebody who quite literally just wants their dog to stop biting other dogs. But I need to be able to get their mind thinking about how they're going to actually change the dog's behavior. But for me, I just think that there's so many things that happen in life that as human beings, we say to ourselves, why in the hell would somebody do that? Well, because they get rewarded for it, you ding dong. Like it, it does something for them, you know. Feels good, man. Feels exactly. Good. Yeah, that's a, it, it's funny because I think the other argument, <clears throat> the thing that I always think of, is like when people go, man, they don't want to know that. They don't want to learn that. It's like to me, that's a little bit of a coaching failure. I agree. You know I agree. Because you're like, they don't know what the fuck they want to know. Do you know what I mean? Listen, if you can make broccoli taste like ice cream, kids would want fucking broccoli. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Yeah. They don't want broccoli. No, they don't want tasty shit. They don't want shit. <laughs> bad if you make broccoli taste fucking awesome, they will eat broccoli and they'll ask for it. But you got to make it taste awesome. So, like as a coach, if you want somebody fired up about it, you have to teach it in a way that they're fucking getting, and they're like, "Dude, that's awesome. That makes total sense." And they got to get fired up about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what the at IACP, Mike Ellis was talking about that that you know our job was making our clients passionate about the process of dog training, and I think there's there's a lot to be said there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's half the challenge with working with humans. Like, I mean, work with humans all the time, right? But it's like thinking about like uh, strength and conditioning stuff when I'm working with people. If somebody comes in. Like you're saying, the people that just want their dog to stop biting. If somebody comes in and they're like, dude, I don't want to look like shit anymore. It's going to be really hard to get those people to do the training mm-hmm. for the tradition, like for the to get the buy-in that they're going to need to change their life. It's going to be worn real thin in a week if they're like, well, still look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for like two weeks, dude, and I still look like crap. But if you can make them get into it and they forget about, ah, I got this weight. If they're like, dude, I'm, oh, I almost hit that number on that lift or I'm almost beating that time on that exercise and they get fired up about training. And then six months later, they're like, hey, you remember that you wanted to hit that goal, that weight goal? Well, you already hit it. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome, but I don't really give a shit. Like, I'm so into this other stuff now that it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Oh, like somebody comes in, they're like, I want my dog to stop biting. And you're like, okay, cool. But I want to get you fired up about relationship development I want to get you fired up about biological fulfillment I want you to get fired up about understanding your dog and what happened and why it's going on and then they'll get like dude I could do this and you're like yeah fucking right you know (laughs) that's fucking awesome so it's like I think uh, the people that get the people that get disheartened about what they have to try to convince clients to do it's like I don't know man it's weird it's like people can't think about two things that say they can't they can't think two tracks right like you want to work with a dog you need it to do something what do you do you got to give it motivation you got to motivate that fucking dog cool clients come in and they're, they're like people will argue about all the different cool minuscule ways to to motivate a dog and then the people will come in there they're never gonna fucking do it yeah and you're like no shit dude you got to motivate <laughs> I don't know, bro. Like, you gotta, you know, maybe apply some of that shit that you're using on the dog, you know? But it's like, again, I think that's when people don't realize that it is literally learning theory. It's literally the understanding of reinforcement 
you know what I mean? Like they're coming in, they're not buying, like you're not making it rewarding enough for them to increase motivation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's like, you, you have to, that's, that's your gig. You have to motivate them in the right direction for sure. People yeah. need reinforcement. Yeah. I tell, I tell people that all the time. You know, if, if, if you're so dedicated to the dog that you almost look at the human being as a afterthought, of course you're going to struggle with client follow through and compliance. You're not really giving them anything to go on, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So how'd you feel that when we rolled? I'm sorry, what was that? I said, how'd you feel that when we were rolling? Uh, I was Honestly, it was just one of those things where, like, at the time, I was more concerned with you know, trying not to get tapped out immediately, right? Pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Way that I apply pressure. Oh yeah. Oh, no, I mean vastly different than anything I've felt. You know, right. it was very much I mean, your game seems <clears throat> centered around pressure. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it, it was for sure interesting. I mean, cause the thing, what happens is people fall into this thing, right? When I train people fall into this thing they'll get really obsessed, like you said, about not tapping. Yeah. Like, just making it. Just like, dude, I'm just trying to survive. Trying to live, bro. But it's because the pressure will increase every time you try to make headway. Mm-hmm. And then pressure comes off. It's still bad, but it's better than it was when you were moving. Yeah. So your brain registers stillness as reward, and you go, I'm just going to sit here and try not to die. <laughs> but if I put pressure on, if I tried to make, if I, if I spent so much time trying to make you miserable in the stationary moments, I'd be giving you reason to run. I'd be putting fire behind you and make you trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But I make the place where you are slightly more comfortable than the place that you were when you're trying to get out. So then you get stuck. Yeah. And that's people's brains. They're like, dude, I can't, I can't move. If I move, it hurts. I can't move. I'm just going to sit here and just, Sucks, you know, it's just funny because I actually think about that stuff when I'm training, and I don't think very many people do. You know, once now you realize it's happening to you, you can watch yourself when you're rolling with good people and see it happening to you. Yeah, like you can be getting pressure and go, "I'm just going to sit here." But if you have no idea, you're like, you think it's a good idea, but if you stop and go, "Okay, wait a minute," what put? It's like. The, it's like those movies. What's the fucking what's that movie Inception where like you put something in somebody's head? <laughs> oh, <Christ. laughs> yeah. Anytime you have a thought when you're rolling, you're like, okay, I think I should just probably sit here. Or man, I gotta go left. You gotta stop and go. Who put that in my head? Mm-hmm. Like, did I come up with that, or is that one of those like, go to the light, carry in? <laughs> <laughs> Like, did I think about that myself or is that guy just leaving that door open for me, you know? It's like when you're younger and you get caught in a lie and you're just kind of like, hold on, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself like under like someone's got their knee on my belly and I'm just like, hold on, let me think about this real quick. I'm going to get out. Just give me a second. Let me think about it for a minute. Yeah. yeah. It, it's funny. A lot of people don't like uh, – it's stupid. I'll do drills with people like uh, mm. need a stomach, like surviving need a stomach. Like people don't realize about how to make how to make their. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it without visuals, right? People don't realize how to train their body's ability to make their torso rigid in a way that leaves room for their diaphragm to work under it. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? Because when somebody usually when we tighten our abs, it's like to do a sit up. So it's like our, our we we compress our stomach in, but for your diaphragm to move, for your lungs to expand, your diaphragm has to flex and it pulls your lungs down and open like a billows, right? So when you open a billows, it sucks the air in. Yeah. So your diaphragm contracts and pulls your lungs down, right? The problem is if somebody's sitting something on your stomach and it's heavy, your diaphragm can't expand like your lungs can't push down your lungs can't open because things are pushing them back up into you right so if your knees on somebody's belly it's pushing the material in their abdomen up towards their lungs and you can't expand you can use your transverse abdominal muscles to push out makes like a band across your belly and then it pushes their knee up and it leaves space underneath for your lungs to expand and contract Hmm. right interesting but people don't practice you know what i mean they don't know they're just sitting there going (laughs) i mean a couple of years in like four or five six whatever you know now there's guys out there that put after you've been a purple belt for a long time whatever you've been training five six years i mean somebody holds knee to stomach and you can still say the alphabet but it takes your body years to figure it out without somebody going hey let me show you something you know what i mean yeah it's 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 just it's it's funny man because it's like there's a couple of drills that you can do, a couple of exercises. And even just point it out to you right now. Like, even if I don't give you the exercises right now, you go like this. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm, think- <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Pushing up to leave space for the lungs to work under. If you don't even think about it, it's going to take so long for your body to just fucking randomly stumble upon that. It <laughs> will. It will. But it's like it's so much faster if somebody just tells you, hey, dude, do this, you know? I mean – I had a three-hour seminar with Cyborg with uh, – our professor brought Cyborg to Buffalo, and we did a three-hour neon belly seminar, and he showed this pass where he, he basically – it was like a, leg, like a leg drag pass, but he dove in like a missile and threw his shoulder on your side, and he used me, so he throws my legs to the side and just dives in. He's like, I'll do it soft. And he does it, and I was like, you broke my rib. <laughs> I'm fucking broken. Just – I watched him – I watched that dude – roll over four black belts a couple yeah. brown belts like nothing and then he got put in spider gun he's like hold on i actually have a torn bicep so i gotta go a little slow and i was like oh okay cool yeah, yeah it's no good man no <laughs> so now i can breathe when cyborg breaks my wrist <laughs> cool yeah. there was a one time i saw one of my teachers soneka he's uh back in the day real famous dude <clears throat> and uh and uh, he was out at a mall's place doing a seminar when I first got started. And it's like, he's like, you know, considering having back surgery and he's an older dude and he's all banged up and he's like got icy hot patches on his back and shit. And he's like getting up real slow, you know, teaching the seminar and everybody's cool. You know what I mean? He, he like, he won everything in the world back in the day. So it's like, he ain't got nothing to prove now. Uh, and there was a seminar at the end of the seminar, you know, you're supposed to roll, like generally like the guys will roll with everybody in the room and his back was just banged up and he was like oh you know but we were all really tight and he was like oh man my back my back we're like that's cool it's no problem and then this dude showed up and it was it was friendly it wasn't like disrespectful or unfriendly but this guy wanted to roll yeah and he was like black belt like a very good i think he'd won the worlds that year or something along those lines like legit bad motherfucker and he was like, oh, you know, Seneca, were you going to roll? And Seneca didn't miss a beat. He's like, oh, sure. And, like, gets out on the mat and just crushes. And you're just like, 
Like, <laughs> get up a minute ago. It's like, oh man, my back, my back. And then just like, ah, you know? It was fucking amazing. It's funny, dude. It's funny how good those guys are. It's crazy. So, because you know what's funny to most people is that as much as the guys think I'm good, like, there's, it's, it's like all my students think I'm like, wow. And I'm not, and they just don't know it. <laughs> don't you know don't I mean? let them listen to this then. <laughs> you just don't know it, you know what I mean? Because there's dudes out there that will shit on me. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm like there's a lot of black belts out there I'll take a dump on, sure. But there's a lot of black belts that'll take a dump on me. And I'm not stupid. Like I know that, you know? And it's funny because like these guys that will crush me will then talk about somebody that like Oh man, that guy crushes them. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. They're like, how good can it be? Like, how good can <laughs> like at some point isn't there like a cap? No. You know what I mean? Like at some point, isn't it like, yeah, you're done. That's as good as you can get, man. That's it. There isn't any more. Do you? I don't even understand how good you have to be. Do you, you know follow I mean? like like? Modern? Do you follow any of the newer jujitsu tournaments like uh, EBI, like the Eddie Bravo Invitationals, or uh, a little, a little bit? And have you watched? Uh, like, did you watch ADCC or anything? Do you follow anybody in particular? Like, who, who in jujitsu is who pumps you up in jujitsu? Now, uh, any time. Oh no, man! Like back in the day, like. Henzo, watching Henzo and watching Seneca and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was, we, we went to Abu Dhabi the first year they had it in America, like when they did it in uh, in Los Angeles, I want to say 2003 or something like that. First time they had women, like they invited 16 women. There wasn't a, it was like you got an invite. It wasn't like you, qual- they didn't have qualifiers back mm-hmm. then, right? So they just invited 16 women, and that was it. It was the first time they ever had women in, in Abu Dhabi. It was the first time they held it in the States. And Mandy got invited to that, right? So, like, I cornered her. That's killer. That's rad. Oh, yeah. If you go back and watch, like, I want to say 2000, maybe 2003, 2004, I don't know, sometime around then. But it's like there's a DVD box set floating around of Abu Dhabi. It was the year that – it was the year Marcelo beat uh, Rico Rodriguez. Oh, that was – that's a rad fight too. That year, right? So, like, if you if you oh, watch man. that, you'll see my stupid ass walking around somewhere in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rad. But uh, but it's like that was the time that I was watching people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, sure. man, all those names, all those guys, I was watching it. But like, I don't know. After I like, after I retired from fighting, and uh, there's like kind of around that time the split started happening mm-hmm. between like super sporty shit and then fighting related shit because back then all the guys that most of the guys that did MMA could go into jump into a jiu-jitsu tournament and do well most of the guys that did jiu-jitsu could jump into an MMA fight and do pretty good but now it's like just the styles have diverged so MMA is not MMA is its own specific thing and has changed and it's like they both turned different directions in the boats and now they're just ridiculously far apart and I kind of don't really I don't know. I don't. It's not that I don't like modern jujitsu. Like, it, well, I don't know. Just the point seems to have changed for me so much. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like the, just the fucking scissor fight, man. Like dudes just sitting on their butt and like 
kicking feet at each other like two spoiled children arguing about something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't... I just look at that and go, ugh. Like, if that had been jiu-jitsu when I came around, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I would have sure. just... Like, I needed my teacher to look at me and go, you can do whatever the fuck you want. It's not going to help. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And he just crushed me. All right, take your jacket off. No problem. All right, let's go with punches. No problem. If you'd have been like, don't grab me with that grip because that's not legal in the IBJJF, I'd have been like, dude, fuck you, and just left. I'd have been like, this is dumb. This is fucking stupid. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, man. I just wasn't, I just, I, the more it gets into specialized sporty stuff, the less I get interested. Sure. So, so I just work on my guys, man. I just work on my understanding of it. And I okay. want my guys to be able to go and do anything pretty well. Like all my students, like they could do a judo tournament and do pretty good. They could do a jiu-jitsu tournament, do pretty good. They could do a wrestling meet and do pretty good. It's like kickboxing. doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I want them to be able to just, you know, mm-hmm. like rock, paper, scissors. Like how do you want to fight? You tell me. What do you want to do? Let's go samba. Fuck it, samba. Let's do it. You know what I mean? They're not like, I don't do leg locks. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're like, all right, well, sweet. Let's do this. So So, Marcelo uh, Garcia is the appropriate answer then? Marcelo Garcia. The only thing I don't like about Marcelo Garcia is how much my wife loves that guy. (laughs) (laughs) You can't not love him. Look at that. Have you seen that smile? I know you've seen that smile. He's cute. He's cute. uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. No, man. She was like. His style, well, he seems very, his style seems very similar to Seneca, and it fits Mandy's style. Like, he's a shorter dude, proportions work, he doesn't, like, you know, he's not, like, putting himself in these crazy, uber-flexible positions, you know what I mean? Like, his style fits the way that she trains, the way that she rolls, so she's always, like, really dug his style, you know? I'm, I can get down with that, I can. I'm not very flexible, but I can guillotine people real good. Oh, yeah, you got a good guillotine? It's <laughs> all right. I, for a white belt, for yeah, for a white belt, it's pretty good. I guillotine once in a while. That's funny, man. My wife's got a nasty. It's terrible. It's well, fucking horrible. One of my favorite YouTube videos is uh, there's a video. It's called Marcelo Garcia will choke you and it'll hurt, and it's it's like ten minutes of Marcelo rolling with all the people that roll through his school uh, yeah. with Rock the Casbah playing, and it's just him. Choking everybody and their faces while they're getting when they're getting RNC'd by him, and they're just like, Ugh! awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah. So, you've been training for decades, you've been doing jujitsu for a long time. What keeps you passionate about it? Like, what makes you keep getting up and going to the mats other than the fact that you know you now own a gym and you have to? Um, well, that's not it. I really don't give a shit about money. I just, it's like. I don't know, man. Like, I enjoy, I love teaching. Like, any, it doesn't matter what. Like, you know what I mean? If I could make a paper airplane and you were really curious and we could have that moment where I'm really showing you how to make fun. <laughs> I just like teaching, you know what I mean? I really do. It's like, a, it's hard to explain because most people don't think of that the way that I do. People hear somebody go like, they're, they're like a painter and they're really bad. It's like, doesn't even matter what I paint. I could paint and then just throw it away. It doesn't even matter. I just kind of fucking, it's like the act of painting is what they got to do or poetry. And people see like the artistic passion of that. But coaching, 
people almost always see as this utilitarian I'm co- it's like I build a thing like I give you the, it's like a transaction I give you the information but there's no like artistry to they don't look at it like poetry or painting mm-hmm. but to me that's like that's like painting to me like teaching to me is like it's I don't know it's the shit dude it's like it's like a mental version of what jiu-jitsu feels like sure. like I have a thought I have, I have got I see the bubble above your head and I've got to make that bubble like in the cartoons like when you can tell what somebody's thinking because there's like the thought bubble above their head with a picture in it yeah like you have a blank thought bubble or worse the wrong picture <laughs> and I've got to make the picture in your head look like what I need it to look like how the fuck am I going to do that and there's like this artistry to me to being able to communicate that to them and get the right picture in their head. And that, to me, is hugely motivating. And other than that, it's like, dude, every day I get to put hands on people. Like, every day I get to have a little bit of conflict, you know? Sure. I need conflict in my life. Like, I'm not good with, like, peace and love and hippie shit. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) I need to have like if I didn't have heavy things to pick up and like people to choke and shit like that I would just be an unhappy dude man I mean it would just bleed out of me and I can barely keep myself from killing people as it is you know what I mean and I don't have a day job (laughs) if I had to like work deal with shit I would just I would fucking kill somebody you know what I mean well I think that's part of the, part of your own version of the hippie shit man like because you get to choke people out in this game of jujitsu you yeah. know you get to essentially you know prevent some of that inner turmoil from bubbling into everyday interactions at least that's how I feel I mean it, I uh, was hit by a car while riding my bicycle in December Jesus uh, just, you know, nothing crazy, you know, no broken bones, but I have a separated shoulder. So I haven't been able to roll since mid-December. And for me, it's, it's definitely something that has affected me in, in areas that I never really thought it would, because all of a sudden I don't have that outlet. I don't have the ability to just go off. I don't have, you know, I, I can't wake up in the morning, go to the gym choke out a couple dudes and get choked by a couple others and then like all right cool man high five i'll see you tomorrow and have that be that it's it's most certainly something that i've i've found to miss greatly and uh you know i guess you know for me that's that's been incredible not not just getting out that type of aggression but it's it's purposeful and it's in my experience anyway it's been a way to kind of develop a martial art for myself, but also to develop some of my own personal character in a way that I guess I didn't never really thought was going to be developed through jujitsu. It's man. It's like there's, there's a certain amount of biological fulfillment, a certain amount of biological appropriate behavior. It's like the further we get away from these biologically fulfilling activities, the more unhealthy we get mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think the problem is we're so unbelievably disconnected from from nature, from our nature, that it's like it comes out in all this other shit. You know, it comes out in what kind of cars do you have and like gossiping behind people. It's just bullshit. All they're all just like it's like if you could just live 
in the right way. Like if the power would go off after the die off happened, everybody would be so much happier. You know sure. what I mean? <laughs> like everybody would just, it's like you, you don't like I, the line I usually say is like, you know, squirrels don't have time to be depressed. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they're like, it's kind of <laughs> shitty, but it's like, dude, they got shit to do. Like, they can't, they can't just, <laughs> shit. like you got stuff to do. You can chop wood, carry water. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, there's this, we, 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 we have this hole in our head that we try to fill with all these things that aren't shaped right. And we just have to pack in stuff that isn't fit right until that hole is somewhat filled and then we can like tolerate our life. But it's like if you would just plug in the thing that actually belongs in the hole, there'd be no fucking problem. And the problem is like physical conflict, the ability to fight, play fighting is such a natural and hugely important part of our psyche that without it in our head, we go through all this rigmarole to fill that hole up when if you would just play fight, it'd be filled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Like, I'm so much more mellow and cool and easygoing because that's in my life. You know what I mean? And it's like, it changes people's lives, man. It's like, it's pretty fucking drastic. Like, I swear I should get paid as a therapist and not a fucking coach. You know? <laughs> it's like, it changes people's lives. It changes their brains. And they're just like, well, I just came in here to get in shape. And it's like, totally altered my life. You're like, yeah, I hear you. But that's what it is. It's that powerful, you know? I agree. Because that's what I think of with dogs as well. It's like, it's kind of obvious why my bent, in the dog world is like it is you know because i do the exact same thing with dogs like for me tug for dogs is like martial arts yep it's not just like i'm creating a reward event to increase obedience and engagement like dude i'm like fixing their brain you know (laughs) and that's because that's what it is to me you know if i didn't have that activity for me i wouldn't be healthy you know yeah before anybody says, well, not all dogs are like that, that's fucking awesome, and I don't want to work with the dogs that aren't, so how about that? <laughs> sure. People are like, what do, you, what do you do with the dogs that don't want to play? I'm like, give them back, dude. <laughs> Hand them back to the old lady that took them out of their purse, man. What do you want me to say? Well, part of that is also, I mean, like, I can't tell you how many dogs I've taken in as fosters that have, air quotations, no food drive. They have no desire to play. And you have to develop that. I mean, if when I started jujitsu, I was only rolling with purple, browns, and blacks in like a competition class, of course I'm going to hate jujitsu. These dudes are killers and they're just trying to like get their reps in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get my my ass beat and it's not going to be that enjoyable for me. So I, I think there is a certain amount of that for for all of us that you have to not just find something but be able to develop it, in, it into the vehicle that you want it to be and I, I do see a lot of people in the dog world that you know kind of judge dogs well this dog will never do that sport or this dog will never be that dog and is that true I don't know but there's t- innumerable num- stories out there about people who have been told their dog can't do a specific sport or a specific job that are now beaten asses at that job. And, you know, there's, I just think there's a lot to be said for that, that development. I think that, uh, I mean, I think there's individual variants in all dogs. And I make a joke about it. I give them back cause I don't want them, but it's like, I have of the four dogs I have, two of them don't play tug. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like I can't talk a bunch of shit, you know. But sure. they do play. They just don't play that particular game, you know. So some kids want to play checkers and some kids want to play rugby and you know what I mean like everybody wants to play if they're healthy play is an expression of health you know sure. it's a sign of health but it's like not everybody's going to want to play rugby some people are going to want to play fucking freeze tag <laughs> fucking box and call that a game you know yeah but uh, I prefer the I prefer the brawlers but I'll work with anybody and I'll play with anything but yeah I think the problem is that people that have that thing like they just look at dogs and they go the picture that they see of that dog right then is what they think the potential is just like the picture they see of a person a kid will come in the gym and be a little scared and a little nervous and somebody goes the picture i see of that guy that guy will never be a champion that guy will never win 15 fucking pro fights mm-hmm. you know that kid don't have it but it's like you have to be able to see one you have to be able to go let me get that being whether it's a dog or a person doesn't matter to me it's like let me get that thing back to a baseline of normalcy and then see what it is because like you can't tell with something it's like when you're doing archaeology like you can't pick something up and go this is this kind of bone you got to dust that shit off and look yeah this is probably one of these you got to like fucking clean it up and they go oh wait now that i've gotten all the crap off of it i can tell so it's like being like these these broken beings whether they're people or dogs show up and it's like I gotta like get them back to a baseline level of like health and and, and happiness and then go now what are you sure because maybe that kid once you once you get him some you know once you teach that kid how to believe in himself and how to be proud of himself and that he's not just this rampant piece of shit scumbag white trash kid that kid might turn into something fucking really special but he's never going to believe that he can until you get him from like out of the tank into zero, then from zero to what he's going to be. Same thing with the dog. Dog comes in and they're like, you wiggle a fucking toy at their face and they're like, no, I don't want to play. And you're like, dog doesn't have play drive. Yeah. <laughs> that dog is broken, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're lucky that dog eats. This is crazy. So it's like, you got to get him back to, it's like, you got to take those negative emotion, those negative, like emotional systems that are playing. And, and get those to stop spinning to see what will spin in their absence. You know what I mean? It's like you take a zoo animal and it's not mating or playing. You're not like, oh, well, it doesn't have drive. You know what I mean? You're like, you got to give it an enriched environment and get it back. And then once its activities are back and it's like, it's not in rage, it's not in fear, it's not in panic. It's like at a baseline and then go, now does it want to play? Now does it want to mate? You know? Like those positive systems can't be in play if the negative systems are going. It's like they're mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? Well, you got to have a, a full picture. You know, you got to have a, a comprehensive kind of view of whatever it is you're addressing, whether it's a dog or a human being. You know, you're not going to be able to have somebody who reaches their full potential who can't stand to be alone with their own thoughts. You know, who you know, you have to be able to have an entire being. To, to really achieve mastery. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, <clears throat> Temple Grandin's book, Animals Make Us Human? Mm-hmm. Did you read that, that thing? Did it hit you as hard? Like the, the thing she talked about, the blue ribbon emotions by that guy, Dr. Jock Panksepp? Did that fucking crush your brain or did it just not hit you? 
I remember the Blue Ribbon Emotions, but I don't necessarily remember exactly. I read the book years ago. That, that blew my mind out of the water. Like, and nobody, everybody's like, yeah, I read that book. I remember it was pretty good. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean it was pretty good? Yeah, right. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Like that, his his discussion of emotional systems and, and what a lot of dog trainer people will call drives is so perfect to me. Like, that's how I discuss it. Like, I don't even get into the whole... Oh man, prey drive, defense drive, social drive. I mean, those are useful ways to boil it down and discuss it, you know, obviously. But man, like when he talks about the blue ribbon emotions and like there's rage and fear and panic and there's the seeking system and then there's these positive expression emotions like nurture and play and mating and things like that. It's like it, it like when he said it, when she said it talking about him, now there's like this super clear flow chart in my head that like I can look at people and I can look at dogs and now I like it may, instead of being like uh this is going on you're like okay this is happening of course play is not in of course the dog's not trying to play like it's in it's it's panic system is going like it's nervous of course it's not going to play when it's nervous sure you know take me first fucking day of school somewhere and be like, you want to play tag? I'm like, I don't fucking know you. I don't want to play tag. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm nervous. I don't want to play a game with you. It's like, I don't know. I, it, it, I, I am stunned that the the idea of blue ribbon emotions, like the way that he laid it out, I am stunned that that hasn't gotten more traction. I don't know if that's one of my OCD things. Like I get on something and I'm like, that's awesome. And then I obsess about it. And other people are like, all right, have fun with that. Or if it is just like people aren't seeing it like I saw it. And so it's just not getting traction. It's not catching on. But Jesus, it was an amazing. Dude, that was like, that changed the way I looked at animals. Be humans too. Because it explains everything. It's fucking so rad. Well, I'm going to have to go no, back and check fighting. it out. You have to go back and look. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to go look. See? I got in your brain. Now yeah, it's all good, man. I'm, I'm always stoked for something new. Breaking your book out again, like, what the fuck was he talking about? I don't even remember that. What the hell? I'm all about finding a new obsession. It's all good. Oh, dude, it's 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 amazing. It, I don't know why, but it totally, it like made a bunch of concepts that otherwise were like hodgepodge together and not that clear. It made them like, I get it. Now I see it. Like, you know, like, yeah. which is... It's huge because if you can be clear about how you think in your head, you can be more clear about how you work. So you know, it's just one of those. It's <clears throat> so it's just one of those things. So you were just talking about jujitsu and pressure and how you use pressure. I literally never thought of that. Absolutely never put it together. And now that's all I've been thinking about since you said it. I was like, shit, I'm gonna put this dude in side control. I'm gonna put pressure over here. Yes. I can't stop thinking about it. But it's funny. it's funny because one of my teachers, uh, this Master Yang Juing Ming, this guy that taught me Chin Na, it's like he used to – he's the one that first made me connect the idea of learning theory with martial arts, right? Because he was talking about joint locking somebody, right? So like you grab somebody's fingers and you, you do like a, the classic like a wrist lock, you know? And he was like, you have to be really careful. This blew my mind. He goes, you have to be really mm-hmm. careful not to break their finger. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Isn't the point to break their fucking finger? Like, I don't understand. And he's like, look, you know, he'd grab my hand. 
he, he grabbed my hand and like started to bend my fingers backwards and you know he's holding your hand and he's like all right try to hit me and then you know you try to hit him and of course as soon as you move it's like oh your fingers and you can't move and he's like if i why did you stop you stop trying to hit me i'm like because my finger is gonna break right and he's like yeah and if i broke your finger what would prevent you from hitting me now it's like your your finger's broken. Like it's leverage. Sure. It's like don't. It's like if you hold a hostage, you can't shoot him. Sure. You, <laughs> you can't, can't do like, it. I've got a hostage, and then you shoot her, and then you're like, okay, shit, I don't have a hostage anymore. It's <laughs> like they're holding your finger hostage, right? Yeah. But he's the first person that ever put it in my head. The idea of when the guy stops struggling, you have to take pressure off the finger, where he has no reason to cooperate like you have to negatively reinforce his lack of resistance when he stops resisting you negatively reinforce it and then when he starts to struggle you positively punish it but it was like i'd never he didn't say it positive negative reinforcement like that but he's the first person that ever made me realize it's not just breaking everything (laughs) it's not just like (laughs) like yeah now you break it and then you grab something else and you break that like he made me realize like there's some real depth and sensitivity to it that you're not just attacking their hand or their finger like you're getting in their head like you have to like back off enough that you assure cooperation you know what i mean yeah and i I just obsess about that like when i'm training i obsess about that it's pretty funny it's interesting i don't know that's cool shit you guys have to come out to maine sometime and train a little bit i'm down love to yeah i mean buffalo is not that far right no, it's, it's, I'm not certain. I'm, I don't know. There's ways to get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I have a vehicle. I got a vehicle. There's buses. There's. It's still in the U.S. Park. I don't need a passport. I can. Yeah, I can go. I'll figure it out. Cool, man. Um, I don't know how long you guys are gonna try to go, but I'm gonna have to get in a second, man. I gotta start getting ready. No, I was That's just gonna cool, say it's a, we can, we can wrap it up, man. It's been uh, it's been rad talking. Yeah. Um, so why don't you let some people know how to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, if, uh, if you're looking for me, uh, for jiu-jitsu stuff, you can find, uh, the academy is the name of is, uh, my school's website. And uh, I have an online jiu-jitsu. Uh, did you guys see that thing? My project? No, no. <laughs> I have an online, like my online jiu-jitsu resource, right? It's called online bjjproject.com, but it's like all of my curriculum and all of like, the theories that I have it's, it's it's pretty interesting man but it's like it's set up as an online resource so like I made it for my students that left that are like dude I'm freaking out I can't find it's like I can find places with bodies but nowhere with the instruction hmm. and I was like look hmm. if you have bodies I'll put the lessons online and then you just go use their bodies to train you know <laughs> nice okay which is cool but it's actually gotten out around it's spread out past just my students and it's turned into this whole thing so online bjjproject.com uh and then if you're looking for dogs because i do that too next level dogs on facebook or nldogs.com and uh chad mack and one of my teachers and i have a podcast uh, dog training conversations you guys heard jay jack uncensored the podcast oh yeah that's the other that's my podcast that is very uncensored and who knows what the fuck I'm talking about I just start talking I don't know what the hell I talk about I don't remember any of it I just talk until Bo tells me it's been long enough (laughs) (laughs) trusty sidekick that he is 
Yeah, dude, I don't know, man. I don't, it's like the brain injuries and the podcast have all run together, so I don't know what the hell's happening anymore. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks. I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for coming, for coming on, coming man. On, man. And uh, it was rad talking dogs and jujitsu. So dudes on here. What was that? I said I know you guys have some high level dudes on here. It's pretty cool. You're like, yeah, we had Forrest Mickey the other. Day. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, he's coming. Yeah, he's going to be coming on soon. Um, you know, we're, we're just looking to realistically find people who are passionate about something. And I never feel more inspired to go do anything than after I talk to somebody who's passionate about anything. I don't, I don't care what it is. That's, that's what always really gets me stoked. So it's been rad having you on, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on, Jack. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good night, man. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to another episode of Philosophers and Mad Men. I'm Josh Moran. You can find me on Twitter at dogman underscore Moran. I'm Dave Putman. You can find me on Twitter at DavePutman77. But uh, I forgot my Twitter password, and uh, I have not (laughs) bothered fixing it, so... uh, Good luck. Degenerate that he is. I'm also at barefootdogtrainer.com, so you can check that out. And Philosophers and Mad Men is going to be getting a Facebook page up and running soon, so you guys can check in, tell us how much we suck, tell us who we should have on next, or uh, any other piece of comments or criticism you guys may have. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one. Much love.